0: Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. In today's episode, we will be talking about some of the best practices for a business owner and why they're so important. Within the studio here, we have Robert.
2: Good afternoon, Ash. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thanks. And seems like it's
2: just going to be us two. Yeah, how boring. <laughs> a couple of accountants sitting around shooting the bull. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. So hopefully we can we can
1: give our listeners some good information that they can remember and actually implement in their day to day life as a business owner.
2: Well, you know what I say is if somebody can walk away from the podcast, from any given podcast, with even one tidbit of actionable advice, then it was worth it.
1: I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you know, from some of my listeners, I've heard that the best time when they actually listen to these podcasts is during the commute.
2: Yes. Yeah. Drive time.
1: Drive time. Yeah. And I know you don't have your notepad in front of you, but if you can remember at least one, one thing, thing. Yeah. one thing, yeah, yeah. Makes it worthwhile. So I actually have a list here, and the first thing that I have listed here, and I think has to do with the fact that we're accountants, and this is something we face with our clients a lot, and it is important not just for us, but also for the people working with accountants, which is sending your data on time.
2: Yes, on a timely basis. I wish everybody would adhere to that. There are uh, procrastinators among us. I'm probably one as well. I hesitate to admit that, but I, I guess I am. I mean, I do work on my own tax return last because no one's paying me to do mine. So <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, you know, one of the main things is keep good records mm-hmm. as well. People often ask me how to pay less tax, and I've always said the way to pay less tax is by keeping better records. And by that, I mean, just keep track of various different things. Number two on your list, I know, is maintaining a travel log and a mileage log. And that's a pain. Nobody really wants to do that. But you'll find that if you do that, even if you just do it for one week a month or at least one week a quarter, we can interpolate the results to the rest of the year. And you'll be surprised at how big the tax deduction is, especially with operating costs for vehicles as high as they are now.
1: Absolutely, completely agree. And then also, you know, with the data coming to us on time, it not only allows us to look at it completely as a whole, because a lot of times we have to go far back into their older data to see if it still applies to the current year and if it's still a deductible deduction. There's a lot of evaluation and analysis. rules
2: change. Absolutely,
1: and that takes us some time. And I know it happens on the back end, so for a lot of our clients that don't see that, and they feel like, okay, if the deadline's April 15th, if I send in my data, let's say a week before there's plenty of time for them to do my tax return. But what happens, Robert, you know, when everybody's sending us all their data a week before the deadline? Well,
2: that's, you know, that's what everybody thinks, right? It's, it's, hey, you've got a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got a week for you and the other hundred people that procrastinated along with you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> or, exactly. well, a hundred's probably conservative, but, you know, one thing I like to do when I input tax data, I like to. Kind of sleep on it, mm-hmm. come back the next day with some ideas, change some things, maybe reduce the tax. But if we're rushed, we don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're rushed, you just throw the data in there and it is where it is and it is what it is and that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you have time to mull it over and think about it, People would be surprised if they knew how many different ways you could report certain tax data and it would change your liability. Right. So it pays to give us some extra time to take on your return so that we can get it done in the manner that's that's best for you. Uh, In other words, to lower your tax as much as possible.
1: Right. I mean, that's always the end goal. And also, you know, to keep your accounts updated. A lot of times things happen in life. Let's say you just recently became a parent. You may think, okay, I don't need to notify this to my accountant, but it will really help because a lot of things may change on the tax return, especially if your accountant is doing tax planning for you. That's an important piece of information that they would need to know.
2: Well, and another thing like that, similar to that, is if you invested in a new business during the year... And didn't tell us about it. And how are we going to know about about it? Because we wouldn't know necessarily that you wrote a check out of your personal bank account to invest for something. If you invested through your business, we would know. But we've had a client uh, recently. I'm thinking about that's invested. I think it was half a million dollars into a venture. And I think when I had a meeting with him, he said, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, I invested in this venture last year." And first question, how much? Well, half a million. And Second question is, you know, are we going to get something from whoever's doing the tax return for that venture? He said, oh, I want you to do that tax return. Okay, well, wow, that was news. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) So what we don't know, we don't know what we don't know. Right, right. And if you can tell us what's going on in your financial lives, just keep us updated or your accountant, your CPA, whoever it is, keep them updated again you'll pay less tax because you're having more accurate records. Right, right,
1: right. And then you did touch upon my point two on my list, which is maintaining a travel log and mileage log. And yes, it is boring, but can we talk about the importance of it?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know how to impress upon people how important it is. And again, everybody's gonna push back and, and say, well, that that's just not practical for me to keep a log of everywhere I go. And honestly, I think the IRS realizes that. So like I said before, if you keep a log for, let's say, a week, a month, and then we interpolate from that information, or if you at least can provide receipts from when you had maintenance performed on your vehicle, usually whoever's providing the main are performing the maintenance on your vehicle is going to list the mileage of your vehicle on that invoice so we can see how many miles you drove during the year. There's got to be some documentation of that. You know, I've had clients tell me, oh, I drove my vehicle 30,000 miles this year. So let's deduct, you know, X number of cents per mile. And well, that's great. But if the IRS audits you, they're going to want a little more documentation than just a a, a number that you pull out of thin air. And and please don't make it an even round number. (laughs) (laughs) That just doesn't even look real. I mean, because it's not. So, again, it just goes to um, some common sense and having better records. Right. You know, and I just saw an article this morning how the IRS is ramping up their audits now because for the first time in 20 years, Congress has given them a few billion dollars extra to actually hire the personnel to to gear up their audit program again. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more audits than we have in the past.
1: Wow. It's all the more reasons to maintain these logs today.
2: Yes. And, you know, I used to tell a story about, you know, when we had roughly, I don't know, less than a quarter of the clients we have now and we used to average about one or two audits a year and now that we have that many more clients people say well how many audits are you averaging now per year and you know it's probably less than one or two Mm -hmm. and so the chances of being audited are less than they ever have been but again this is early still early or mid 2022 and the irs is now on a hiring rampage trying to find people to fill the spots and they've got the money and they're gearing up the audit process again. So again, people have gotten used to and comfortable with the fact that there aren't as many audits and they're willing to take more chances. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I expect that's gonna change in the next 12 months. I see, yeah.
1: And, you know, there are also apps these days out there that makes it easier. I, I get it. Before, you used to actually have a real log where you used to have to write it down, keep it in your glove compartment. But you have apps on your phone, such as My IQ, that you can download. And you just push a button, and it records where you're at using your GPS. And then once you arrive at your destination, it tracks how many miles you drove. And it'll ask you if it's for personal use or business use. You just click business use, and boom. And then at the end of the year, it'll actually give you a report with what was your total business use mileage versus your total driven miles, which is great. It has- So repeat the name of that app? The one I just mentioned, I mean, there's plenty out there, whether you're using Apple or Android, but the one that I was talking about is called Mile IQ. Like M-I-L-E, Mm -hmm.
2: Mile IQ. Okay, great,
1: good to know. So yeah, there's that. Now, travel log, now this is important. You know what, I think we need to talk about something before we actually talk about the travel log. Because oftentimes I get asked this question, like, hey, Ash, I just went on a trip to Disney World, but I did do a C class. Does that qualify as business travel? And I think we need to talk about the two concepts that we apply when we're determini- determining if it's for business use, ordinary and necessary. Right. So for an ordinary expense, it needs to be directly related to your business. Right. So if you have gone on, let's say, a CE class in Disney World, that CE class that day while you attended it, the admission fees, the hotel, the food, lodging,
2: transportation, transportation, airfare. transportation,
1: airfare, all of that will be a valid business expense. Now, let's say you decided to stay four more additional days there. That has nothing to do with the CE, not related to your business. You're not really going to do anything. You're actually there, let's say, with your spouse and your kids. Those four days will not qualify as business travel. Now, when I talk about necessary, now this part is also important. Now I've had people that have told me that, Hey, look, Ash, I just went over here, you know, yes, my wife also works at my practice. So we went there and we talked business there. So does that qualify as a travel expense for the business? Well, here's the thing. Would you have been able to have that same conversation within the practice without having to travel. If the answer is yes, then no, that doesn't qualify. In other words, if certain conversations can happen over the phone, then that, and the travel was not necessary for that conversation to happen, then it doesn't qualify. So two key concepts to remember, ordinary and necessary. If both of those things are fulfilled, then yes, it is a valid business deduction for travel purposes.
2: And I know as a result of some of those rules, a lot of the places that are doing CE now are giving the participants an opportunity to take the afternoon off to go do something personal. But in the morning, they have to be there for the CE courses. So that makes the full day deductible. Mm -hmm. And they spread it out to a longer period, maybe a week, rather than two or three days. But again, if you're attending a CE class in in a portion of any of those days, that makes the entire day's expenses deductible. Right, right, right. Mm
1: -hmm. And also, I should say that there is some leeway. So for instance, let's say you booked one hotel room for a C class that you are attending somewhere else out of state. Now you took your spouse there. You're not having to book an additional room. That spouse is going to share the same room. The expense amount is the same, regardless of whether she's there or not. In that case, yes, it's still fully deductible. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So travel log. Yes. Once you've determined that, yes, this is a business trip log, basically just list the date or dates of when you went there, where you went with whom, and what your expenses were and how much they were.
2: You know, let's talk about one other aspect of that. You know, you're know, you talking about ordinary and necessary, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm at a CE course in, I don't know, Florida, New York. Let's say New York City, Manhattan. <laughs> and instead of going to McDonald's, I go to you know, the steakhouse, okay? Is that ordinary and necessary? Ah, good question. Well, here's the thing. If you're
1: used to eating a steak As a regular, so, uh, you know, the necessary word is subjective that also needs to be highlighted. Yes. For sustenance, you could just have McDonald's heck. You can even just go to Walmart and buy the cheapest thing there, you know, but if you're not used to that, if your regular diet is not that, and it is, let's say, going to a steakhouse, pretty much every other meal, then yes, for you, that would be necessary.
2: So ordinary and necessary may mean that, Hey, I have to eat so it's necessary. (laughs) Right, right, right. Now,
1: on the same token, I should tell you this, for COVID, the government is allowing the hospitality industry some leeway. In the past, meals were only 50% deductible, but right now, it is 100% deductible, as long as it's for business use.
2: I think, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, I think that's for two years, right? 2021 and 22. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, through the end of this year, we can deduct 100% of the cost of uh, any meals that qualify to be deductible, as opposed to the standard rule, which, which has been 50%.
1: Yes. So, now, I know up until this point, we were talking about things that can pretty much apply to all business owners, but let's touch upon something that's more applicable to our industry, right? And this is something that I feel like Robert can talk more about. The secret chopper call. Can you tell our listeners more about what that is and how that can help them
2: well this and this is something that we offer through our firm as well is to do a secret shopper call to your front desk person in your dental practice just to see how they respond to someone calling in and the person that does these calls can pretend to be a new patient or she can pretend to be uh, a patient of another practice nearby just looking for a different dentist, maybe she's not happy where she is, just to see how the front desk responds, what kind of questions they ask, what kind of feedback, and we always will give that information to the doctor. We'll share it with the doctor after the call and tell them the good and the bad and the ugly. And I've never seen a call that was, well, okay, I won't say never, but I guess one time I've seen a call that was pretty perfect. But 99 point some percent of the calls that, that I see are leave a lot of room for improvement.
1: I see. I see. Yeah. And why is this important? Why would we talk about this as one of the best practices for a business owner?
2: Well, you know, you, the, the first impression that, that people used to have is you walk in and you see the person behind the desk. But now that we're doing everything remotely and, and even you know looking for a new dentist, mm-hmm. you're looking for them remotely. You find them on Google. You don't go there. What you do is you call the practice, right? Right. And so when you call the practice, you ask certain questions and, you know, you want to see how responsive they are and, and whether they ask questions back. You know, if they ask about your insurance, well, that's, you know, it's a good thing. If, if they sort of say maybe they don't ask about your insurance and you have to bring it up yourself, well, hmm, you know, you are gonna you should give that a little extra thought. Is this someplace I really want to go? They're not on top of their game here. You know, so they ask questions uh, They're Also, do you feel comfortable with that person? Do they make you feel comfortable talking about the practice? Mm-hmm. A good front desk person will tell you how great their doctor is, you know, and you should be coming here because, and they'll give the reasons why, you so know, w- without, impression. without it selling, without it sounding salesy. Right. So it it's that first impression.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Very important. Yeah. It's the same as why do you dress up for an interview, right? It's that first impression. So, very Pe- people important. People still do that? <laughs> Good question. Top up maybe, where the camera can see you. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And on the same token, since we were talking about employees, you know, uh, front desk employees specifically, uh, let's also talk about when an employee decides to leave. You know, are there certain protocols that an employer should follow?
2: When, when employees leave, one thing that I almost never see done is an exit interview. I think a lot of times it's difficult because maybe the employee left on bad terms. Mm-hmm. Maybe you fired the employee. Well, if you fire someone, I don't think you need to give them an exit interview. You kinda know <laughs> why they're leaving. But if someone gives you notice that they're leaving, it would be to your it'd be valuable information for you to have to understand why they left. And you might be surprised. They might tell you, Oh, I'm leaving because the pay is higher somewhere else. Right. Well that's kind of in a lot of Cases, I think that's a cop out. Mm -hmm. Uh, They may say, well, you know, gee, I've got a conflict here with one of the other staff members. I just don't see you stepping up and handling it as a leader should. And so I'm leaving. You may think they would never say something like that. But once people have given notice, they're sort of tongue tied. (laughs) They're sort of relaxed. You know, they can say anything they want to. What are you going to do? Fire them? They've already given notice. So they're more likely to give you the real reason they're leaving. Mm. And when you talk to them, you know, make it comfortable, make it casual, give them the opportunity to talk, ask some questions to get them started and try to find out the real reasons that they're leaving, because that's going to be valuable to you, not only with your remaining employees, but with future hires as well. I see. Yeah. Good point. And don't you actually have a story to share with our listeners
1: of what you heard recently? About a client getting notice from an employee who was about to leave. Two employees, really.
2: Yes. We had a client who had gotten notice from two of his, what, four employees that were leaving. And I think the second one, yeah, the first one, it's like, oh, you know, I feel bad, but what can I do? And the second one came in same day mm-hmm. or maybe a day later. And then it's kind of like as the employer, I'm wondering well, what's going on two at once out of, that. I mean, that's half of my staff. I can't survive like this. So he sat them down and talked to him and found out, well, they had a conflict with mm. one of the other people. So the real problem wasn't those two, the real problem was the other employee. And I think uh, what happened in that case was they they were able to identify the problem and eliminate that problem and keep the two people that were actually good employees. Wow. So they just had had tried to rectify the situation on their own, but were getting no support and decided to that they had to leave to make their lives better but again by talking to them and getting down to the real reasons for them leaving they were able to keep the two good employees and eliminate the one that wasn't
1: wow that's amazing so yeah. all because they just the leader or in this case the employee decided to talk with
2: them. yeah 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 so you just gotta take the time and talk to them i mean a lot of time it's hard to leave a job mm. you know a lot of people will I, mean, I don't know if anybody really just emails it in their notice <laughs> i think they still pretty much do it in person you know thankfully in our firm we don't have a whole lot of turnover so i uh, but i don't think i've ever had one email to me right <laughs> oh my goodness but i have heard dennis that got a text from their hygienist that hey i'm not coming back you know and that was after the pandemic and of course i think a lot of hygienists made that decision so that may not may not be a fair comparison but again no personal phone call no you know pretty anonymous when you just send a text it's pretty easy to do wow i mean not anonymous in that they don't know who it's coming from but you know you don't have to deal with any emotions you just right that's true type right. it out yeah. hit send and and that's it you're done yeah that yeah literally <laughs> <laughs> done with that job move on <laughs> so funny. i think the exit interview is very important and is very 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 underutilized you almost never see it right
1: uh, And I think it also has to do a lot with the type of people we're talking about, like dentists, generally speaking, are non-confrontational.
2: Yes, in general, they are. And, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to, at certain times, you're going to have to confront things that happen in your practice, in your business. And I think one of the consultants I know says you have to be uncomfortable to create results. Well, you know, confrontation is uncomfortable, but it will create positive results in the long run. Not in the short term, it's uncomfortable, but it does create results in the long run.
1: Right. And as a business owner, that should always be your goal. What can we do? What's
2: best for the business. In the long run. Yeah. True, true. Absolutely. All
1: right. So I'm sure there are many more best practices that, can, that we can talk about and go over. Maybe we'll do a part two to this. But for today, for how long we typically do our episodes, I think this is where we're going to wrap up. Now, before we actually wrap up, there are two, how should I put it, updates. Are two
2: announcements, maybe? Announcements. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: A better word, for sure. Well, uh, one
2: thing is we just wanted to start mentioning the uh, Southwest Dental Conference that's coming up uh, in August right here in Dallas. This year it will be over at the Lowe's Toll. It's going to be August the 26th and 27th. That's a Friday and Saturday. And a lot of you are familiar with that, but I just wanted to throw the dates out there. I don't know if you've heard it anywhere or seen it written anywhere yet, but that's coming up in August. We will have a booth there. I don't know the number of the booth. I'll save that for a future podcast, but come by and say hello. Pick up your free ink pen and register for the drawing (laughs) for the Mavericks tickets or the uh, Cowboys tickets. We always give away, what, a four-pack of Cowboys tickets to a game of your choice and also, I guess, a three-pack of Mavericks tickets to a game of your choice. So uh, combined register for those, no obligation, except to put your name on a sheet of paper. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it. The other announcement that I wanted to make is uh, something that we started doing last year. I don't know why, why we waited so long for it, but we started offering free f- review of your first associate's contract. So I know a lot of dentists at this point, this is early May. And I think, or I'm sorry, it's early June. Early already. June, yeah. And I think sometime before the end of June, a lot of new dentist graduates get licensed and they're going to start looking for the first job, or they probably already have. They're going to be getting an associate contract and they're wondering what to do with that. They may give it to an attorney who reviews it, charges them a few hundred dollars. And, you know, that's something we'll do for free. And I've seen more associate agreements than most attorneys just because we work with more dentists than most attorneys do. So that's a free service that we offer to uh, new grads and Take us up on it. You want to tell them how to get a a hold of us? Yeah.
1: So for those of you out there who want to get in touch with us or may have questions for us, please feel free to reach us at info at eandassociates.com. And that's and spelled out A-N-D. Thank you for listening.
2: Until next time.
0: Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at